Welcome to Holistic History, the quest for King Arthur. My name is Jim Frost, and this is episode 7. In this episode, I am going to examine the evidence linking King Arthur to the kingdom of Domnonia. That is what is now Somerset, Dorset, Devon, and Cornwall. For those of you who are not familiar with the map of modern Britain, it is down in the southwestern corner. There are more Arthurian associations with that part of Britain than anywhere else. So many, in fact, that the British Tourist Board refers to it as King Arthur country. Despite this, many people who believe that Arthur was real do not believe that he came from that region, and they move him all over the map depending upon their own theories. I believe that they are trying to impose answers on the information rather than use the information to find answers. Their argument is that all of these associations are ultimately derived from one book, The History of the Kings of Britain by Geoffrey of Monmouth, which was written sometime around the year 1136. This book is actually much more fiction than history and was written to glorify the Welsh nation and make it appear as more important than it really was. The section on King Arthur is the largest section in the whole book. Geoffrey said that Arthur was born at Tintagel in Cornwall. He supposedly picked Tintagel because its castle was owned by Reginald, Earl of Cornwall, the brother of Geoffrey's patron, Robert, Earl of Gloucester. The popularity of Geoffrey's book is supposed to have inspired the locals to associate places with the king. I disagree. First of all, if you accept that Arthur was real, he must have been born somewhere. If he was not Tintagel, then why has no other place ever claimed him? Secondly, local places were named by the local inhabitants, who were illiterate. They would never even have heard of Geoffrey's book and could not have read it if they had. An organization called the Cornwall Archaeological Unit found that a royal residence did exist at Tintagel in the 5th and 6th centuries, so a prince of Domnonia could have been born there. They found the remains of expensive foods such as oysters, raw pork, and fine wine. They also discovered glass goblets that had been imported from Spain and bowls that had come from as far away as Anatolia, which is now in Turkey, but in those days would have been in the Eastern Roman Empire. This is very important because the Western Roman Empire had fallen and taken much of the economy of Western Europe with it. Most trade was more limited, so for Tintagel to have had trade goods from that far away shows a significant amount of wealth. This was due to the fact that Cornwall had lucrative tin mines and Tintagel was a port town. It was also the site of an interesting inscription. The inscription does not actually prove anything, but it is well known and I thought I'd mention it anyway. In 1998, Professor Christopher Morris of the University of Glasgow uncovered a piece of slate with some graffiti carved into it. Based upon the context of other things found near it, it has been dated to the first half of the 6th century. It says, Father, Colia made this, Arthnau, Coli made this. The important word here is Arthnau, which is definitely a name and may or may not be a variant form of Arthur. The timing is very vague. The first half of the 6th century does cover part of the period the evidence indicates for Arthur's reign, but also extends beyond it. Furthermore, it cannot even be shown that this is the name Arthur, let alone a reference to THE Arthur. However, as I said, it was well known and I thought worth mentioning. We now turn to Cadbury and Somerset, or rather a hill just outside the town. In 1542, John Leland, who was antiquary general to Henry VIII, named the hill as the former site of King Arthur's Camelot. Although he did not actually say so, Leland appears to have recorded a local tradition. At the time he made this association, it was just a barren hill with no indication of any, that anything had ever occupied the site. I have to admit that when I started investigating this, I thought Camelot was fictional, but I thought I would look into it anyway just to satisfy myself. I ended up concluding that Leland was right. Just goes to show you you shouldn't jump to conclusions. Cadbury is not far from the River Cam and the villages of West Camel and Queen's Camel. 
In itself, this does not prove anything, but there is much stronger evidence. In the 1960s, Leslie Alcock of the University of Glasgow led a team that excavated the site. They found a number of fortified structures which have since become known as South Cadbury Castle. These structures were built during three different periods of occupation. The second period was dated to circa 470 to circa 580 and is the important one for our purposes. This one was a fortified palace with a great hall 20 meters by 10 meters or 66 feet by 33 feet with significant defensive walls roughly twice the size of any other known palace from the 5th and 6th centuries in Britain. This has to be taken with a grain of salt. Although a number of forts from the period have been excavated, as have palaces of local kings, only one palace for an identified high king has been found. This was the palace of Vortigern, which was a Roman-style villa just outside the town of Roxeter in modern Shropshire. But it was not fortified. But it is the size of the fortifications at Cadbury that are truly impressive. Until such time as a fortified palace for a high king is excavated, Cadbury can only be compared to the palaces of local kings, not high kings. Nevertheless, I believe that this was Camelot and that there is more evidence that Arthur was real. People who argue against this idea are asking the wrong question. They are asking, did Arthur build this? This means that their ideas about Arthur are influencing their answer. The real question is, who built this? We have three options, Ambrosius Aurelianus, some unknown king, or King Arthur. Let us start with Ambrosius. We do not know where he ruled, and there is a gap in our knowledge of the kings of Domnonia, so at first glance it seems plausible, but it does not work. As I argued in episode 2, Gildas, our only contemporary author, was a pro-Roman bigot. Ambrosius was Gildas's hero, and not surprisingly, he made a point of saying Ambrosius was Roman. We may be missing information on the kings of Domnonia, but we know the dynasty was founded in the 450s by a man named Cainan, who liberated the territory from Irish invaders. Cainan was a native Briton and a member of the Cornoi tribe, so the royal house of Domnonia was not Roman. An unknown king also does not work because of the other because of the sheer size of the defenses. As I said, they are twice the size of any other known defensive works for a fort or fortified palace for the 5th and 6th centuries. So we would have to believe that an unknown king somehow managed to accumulate enough resources to build something on an impressive scale and then disappeared into oblivion, leaving no other trace of his existence. This is a little too far-fetched to be realistic. Arthur Conan Doyle had Sherlock Holmes say, eliminate the impossible, whatever is left, no matter how improbable, must be the truth. We have three options. Two options have been eliminated, leaving King Arthur as the truth. I concede that Alcock's date of the 470s presents a problem, given my theory is that the traditional dates for Arthur of circa 490 to circa 520 are correct. My explanation is that the dating of archaeological finds is not an exact science, and sometimes mistakes are made. Not only have I said that Arthur is more closely associated with the period of peace in the early 500s, but it is also difficult, if not impossible, to fit the early dating of the structure into the known information. Ambrosius Aurelianus was high king during the 470s. It is possible for a place to have had two high kings at the same time. There are several examples from Ireland, but that does not work in this case. In the Irish examples, one man dominated part of the country while the other dominated another part. The most famous example is the legendary division of Con's half in the north and Mog's half in the south. But I think the sheer size of South Cadbury Castle argues against that. To me, this is much more in keeping with the tradition that refer to Arthur as King of all the Britons. 
Furthermore, if they did have two high kings at the same time, why not just say so? All the sources that mention both men clearly place them one after the other. To sum up, the evidence does not support the idea that the Arthurian associations with Domnonia are derived from the history of the kings of Britain. Archaeology shows that Tintagel could have been the birthplace of a prince of Domnonia, such as Arthur, while I fail to see how South Cadbury Castle could be reasonably explained as anything except Camelot. Next time, I shall look at Glastonbury and Somerset and examine the evidence linking it to Avalon and the claim that it was where Arthur was buried. This has been Holistic History, The Quest for King Arthur. I am Jim Frost, and until next time, I hope you have a great day.